Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Totem Pole Podcast. We're your tough love work friends talking you through your workplace woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer and worker bee just happy to be building the hive, Katie McDonald. And here's your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius, and non-fan of Daylight Savings Time, Heather MacArthur. Hey, Heather. <laughs> I am not a fan of Daylight Savings Well, you know what? I guess that's wrong. Like, fall, I, I appreciate the extra hour, but you can take this whole <laughs> spring situation. It's robbery taking this hour away from us. <laughs> it, it is robbery. I don't know, it's just emotional abuse as far as I'm concerned, but that's that's maybe severe. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. We're walking listeners through strategies, attitude changes, and actions that put you in the driver's seat of your own career advancement, but most importantly, helping you understand what a successful, meaningful career looks like for you. So uh, especially because of that, we're very thrilled to welcome today's guest, Courtney Whitehead. She has focused her career on helping people reach their work goals. From executive searches to counseling to career transitions through her positions at top executive recruiting firms and consulting companies. Her site, simplyservice.org, is an online community supporting the creation of spiritually centered work lives. Her new book, Working Whole, which I love the title. I'm going to do a little Oprah. <laughs> I love the title. Um, shares how to unite your spiritual and work life. So now here's a little side note too. Very important to know about Courtney. She is a lover of trees. I am too. Books, cozy blankets, and unusual socks. <laughs> Welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you. And and I, unusual is kind. I like I like the ugly socks. The uglier oh. the <laughs> <laughs> What is an ugly sock? What constitutes an ugly sock? <laughs> oh wow. They they're all kinds of things. They make socks that are rainbow patterns. I have some where the toes are, are sewn into them. They're they're oh. bizarre. My husband is is not a fan. Oh <laughs> I do I'm love a toe sock. Hot. <laughs> I, I, suck. I love food-based socks, but I also like black girl chapstick that tastes like food. So I'll take food on it. I love it. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I certainly enjoy talking about this topic. I appreciate that you like the title. Um, I think what 
what really led me to want to write this book is just feeling a strong sense of disconnection for people between the work of their lives and the spiritual paths, um, whatever that is for them that they might be on. So um, certainly there's a lot of conflict that I experience in, in my work, working with people as they move through their careers between should I be cultivating peace and contentment? Should, am, I, am I looking for joy and passion or should I be trying to get up the corporate ladder or launch a new business as aggressively as I can. And, and oftentimes those, those feelings, emotions can, can really create quite a bit of conflict inside of people. So uh, Working Whole really is meant to help people reconcile those two worlds. How exciting. I, uh, truth be told, that is on its way to me uh, via Jeff Bezos at Amazon. And I'm very <laughs> excited to dig into the book. I hope to get a little bit of a preview in our conversation today. So I'm, I'm really interested. It's such a, a fantastic and timely thesis. And I find in the career collaboration that I have had historically in the call center space. I work a lot with uh, call center service representatives. Those those are my peeps. And mm -hmm. I hear a lot of, well, as soon as I just get off the phones, uh, this is going to be the next rung on the ladder for me, or this is what's going to make me happy with my career, or as soon as I have a, a supervisor title, or as soon as I have a manager title. Do you hear that a lot? And do you have a, a response to, uh, to people who kind of are title focused and, and a way to kind of center somebody who's looking at the title towards more about what their actual deeper purpose might be? I do. I, I think when you reconcile the things that you are already pursuing in your spiritual path, so a lot of people are working on mindfulness and, and trying to be content and happy in where they are in that moment. And, and those are sentiments that can absolutely apply in your career. So certainly that takes the focus off of the very next promotion, but it also doesn't negate getting the promotion. Um, mm -hmm. As you might find when you try to be more mindful when you take a walk or when you're eating, the, the actual quality of your observations, of your skills, of your interactions with human beings, all of those things upgrade significantly. Um, just because you are focused on something that's coming from a more authentic and almost intrinsic place. Uh, and the same applies in your career. And so I can see that in a call center environment. I, I can see it being applicable really all up and down the variety of career paths that are out there when you take a step back and not make it about achievement there really is an opportunity to still achieve but to actually enjoy your life you know i, I love how you just described that and i you know it's it's interesting because i i think in some of the workplaces that i've worked in i i've even have to just stay away from the word spirituality because it's just too many people think it might imply something else and you're mm -hmm. right it's a little bit about mindfulness and the word i end up using is purpose and when people kind of are what katie's describing so consumed with the title to your point it's not about you know avoiding the title or that you don't get to go after things but i i'll ask the question of you know you're 105 it's your last day on earth what do you want to say about your life and then we talk about how do you want work to support that and now what position sets you up to do that? And it might be to, you know, maybe this is just a paycheck right now. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's tied towards it's supporting something else bigger in your life. How do you help people figure out or get clear what it is they're really doing? Because the work itself is really just an avenue towards that. I, at least that's how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that completely. 
my work really helps them think through how they're showing up in their lives. So there are a lot of things that are distracting people from being able to listen to, pursue, even exhibit the patience that it takes to let things develop the way that they should. Um, In some ways, people sabotage their progress with ambition. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the way I take people through that process is to really start first with what you believe. Um, and, and if I'm in a corporate environment, I may not say spiritual beliefs. I may st- start first with your values, start first with how you want to show up in the world. And we can certainly change the language around it. But but the essence of it usually is that at someone's core, they have some spiritual beliefs. In the book, I talk about what are some universal ones. So humility, surrender, discipline, love, that are not necessarily words we use in the workplace, but they are the sort of anchors in your life that if you actually can focus on how you manifest that in work as well as broader life, it changes what you attract. It changes what you're paying attention to. So now you notice where you should be, what you need to stop going to so that you can show up somewhere else that actually attracts the next opportunity you want. And that work is Frankly, from my point of view, it's it's soul work. It's life work. It's not something where you take out a piece of paper and write down lists of what you enjoy doing and the very next step reveals for you the next job you should have. And so it's it's not quite that linear, mm-hmm. um, but, but it is something that once you set into motion, really manifests on its own. That's so interesting. So starting with the value system, having a person really go inside and take a look at what is the the core, the bedrock of what is important to you and how you're showing up, and then channeling that and paying attention to how you are manifesting that in your day-to-day interactions. When you're talking to somebody who's trying to use that as their their North Star, their guiding principle to start to get mindful about what they're doing day-to-day in their work environment, what are some tips as to how we can get into being more mindful? How can we, from a sensory perspective or just from a a stop and listen uh, perspective, get into that headspace where we're really paying attention, not just to the work we're doing, but how we're doing the work we're doing? Some of the obvious tips that come to mind, I mean, obviously, I write in the book in detail um, in a much more linear framework perspective. But I think even just taking a step back, even if you don't read the book and saying, I'm going to create more space in my life to think and listen. I'm going to create more stillness in my life. I'm going to rest. Sometimes people want to figure out the very next step in their career when in actuality what their body's begging them to do is sleep. And if they got still, <laughs> that's what their body would tell them to do. And they actually need to do that first. They don't have the energy to do the dreams that they have in mind. And there is a process to listening to yourself, listening to the universe, all of that, that really is supportive and will guide you along the way. But you have to commit to actually creating the space to do that. So that is every down minute can't be spent on my phone. I can't be Mm -hmm. overscheduled at every possible moment. It isn't sustainable to sleep four hours a night indefinitely. And all of those things are, in my world, very real um, work environments that people are struggling with. And so it takes some practical change before you can shift into a place of working whole. 
what I love about that, about the, the self-care part of it, and I'd even go back to, you know, the fact that it's just so crazy that we have to strip out the word spirituality sometimes in the workplace. And I know that kind of comes from this old school, leave your personal life at home. And we just expect people to be so engaged and creative and innovative now. And then there's, there's the lack of stability that really exists anymore where you don't just retire with the gold watch. And so you have to kind of be vigilant sometimes. And I find that people struggle with really finding their resilience. And I think when people hear resilience, the first thing they think about is how tough are you mm-hmm. versus how good are you at self-care? And to your point, catching it before it gets to, you know, burnout and whatever else might come with it, but really understanding how to do self-care. And I, I guess that's what I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit more when you're working with someone and you catch that it's not about dream seeking right now. It's about slowing down and taking care of themselves What's been your experience? Do people push back on that? Do they, they kind of, cause when you said that, I decided, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you talk about it? So honestly, people are relieved when I have that conversation. I, I have the benefit from having some industry standards of having worked at executive recruiting firms and been at big management consulting companies. And sometimes people are looking for me to just provide the validation and space that it's actually all right to pause. It's actually okay to say there's something wrong with the way that I'm living or working and that I'm not just lazy. And it's a rare case that a person actually pushes back when I'm providing that feedback. They are usually relieved Hmm. to not feel like they're a slacker because they think everybody else in our world is pushing, pushing, pushing. But to have the realization that what they need to do is pause and rest and then see what comes out of it. And, And for most of these people, they're absolutely brilliant and creative and insanely hardworking. And so what will come out of it naturally is something that will probably present the world something that looks like achievement. But it's going to come from a very different place. It may come at a different timing that's better for their lives. And all of that is a discussion in my work that, that we have a lot of push and pull on. And you have to be open to that end product looking slightly to drastically different than what you had in your head when you started out, I imagine. Oftentimes, and oftentimes better than what they imagine. But what's Mm -hmm. interesting about being able to bring the spiritual beliefs into the workplace is that it gives people a framework they are already familiar with. For a lot of people, they are doing this sort of work in their personal lives. They are going to yoga. They're trying to implement meditation. They are working on their marriage or their relationship with their children or parents. Um, And they are doing some intense emotional spiritual work. They have just relegated that to their personal lives only. There's, There's a bit of taboo, to your point, Heather, about bringing ideas like surrender or love or, I mean, even frankly, patience to some extent into the workplace because they seem to be the antithesis of success and competition and aggressive business behavior. But actually, we seek out these beliefs because we know they're the path to peaceful, joyful living. And, And so, It takes some effort to figure out how to integrate that into your work life in the same way it takes effort to figure out how to integrate it in your personal life. But in some ways, I see that as just the last frontier. 
you're right. There's this level of we've all been conditioned to the there's not enough to go around. There's fewer promotions. It's flatter organizations. You know, the economy is struggling. So there's so much kind of lack of abundance that we talk about when it comes to the workplace that I see people in this kind of survival mode mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And even, you know, the battle between bosses and employees or coworkers. And a, a lot of the focus that I get when people reach out for help is, well, how do I get this other person to do something? And, you know, I eventually get them to understand it's really how you're taking it in. And if someone's drowning, you can't take their flashing about as personal. You've just got to learn how to navigate it. And to your mm-hmm. point, I always say that, dirtiest four-letter word in the workplace is love and (laughs) and you know I used to have it on a business card at one point and someone told me I wouldn't hire you if I had known that was on your business card (laughs) I I drop I drop f-bombs all the time (laughs) look at you or what have you seen in terms of helping people kind of integrate what what they already are doing in their personal lives and getting them comfortable doing what in the workplace if the company is not necessarily promoting that Yes. So I think what I really try to work on um, in this book in particular is to think about how different attributes apply to the workplace. And so the concept of love and why it feels so touchy-feely is because we certainly have a lot of definitions of love. There is romantic love with your partner. There's I love my Starbucks latte um, (laughs) conversation. (laughs) Um, But I specifically, at least in this book, and and Heather, I would imagine you'd probably agree, think of love in the workplace as it's really about potential. It's about how you, almost that namaste idea, how you acknowledge the value of another soul. And that includes your own. And so when you're actually living in a loving space, you're going to really care about your own potential, care about your own growth, as well as care about that for other people. Because that's how much you value those individuals. And so it's a very applicable idea in the workplace from my perspective. And it's a great guide for your career to say, am I really loving myself? Am I really loving these individuals? in this moment if you are using the potential definition to anchor in what that tells you to do next. So love not as a a possible platform to sexual harassment, but love (laughs) as an agape, (laughs) namaste type of ideal. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, that's hard in the workplace because I think it's easy for your own team member to say, I'm going to try to help their potential and your own potential. But how do you love that that boss you can't stand mm-hmm. or the coworker that's conniving or, or even, frankly, a business competitor? Do you have their best interests in mind? Um, and I think that's all very conflicting, but a applicable dialogue to have in the workplace to think about who you want to be, how you want to show up, and what that ultimately will attract. Because it's the people, even now, if you read the leadership books, it's it's the servant leaders, it's the people who really care deeply about individuals and and growth for all involved that typically are the most successful. And I would argue those are the people who are most loving. I love that. But first of all, Katie, thank you for the clarification on the harassment <laughs> prevention. It's funny because when you said, you know, to, to love yourself as much as we're asking them to, to love other people, that I think sometimes people, if they love themselves or sometimes they don't, they're not connected to loving the unique talent that they have. And that's a lot of what I push is you've got a fingerprint that doesn't make you better than anybody else, but that does make you unique. And to right. kind of ignore the idea 
that you've got something unique about the way you do things, the way you think and what you bring to the table and seeing that as a precious gift. I think when you do that and you really love it, you can see it in other people. You don't need to compete because things are so unique, whatever they contribute, even if they contribute in your same field, there's something unique about your take. They're not that fingerprint, but yet there's room for everybody and yeah, maybe you didn't get that one promotion, but to assume that, that there's something not out there for you because someone took it. And I found so many people get obsessed with what they don't have. Mm-hmm. And they're not even busy being creative or resourceful about finding the next opportunity since this one didn't pan out and they're, they're completely missing things that are out there for them. How do you tackle that when someone's kind of not really seeing the world in that loving way where it's like, I love myself and they, they kind of think of it from that ego state of like, no, I'm proud of myself. I deserve this. I deserve this. But you really see from the outside because you're on the outside. Don't get me wrong. I do it mm-hmm. myself. But when you're on the outside, you can see it so clear and you're going like, no, this is fear. This is you being afraid there's not enough for you. How do you help people move past that? I give voice to it. And I'm sure you do too in your work. And in a lot of ways, that helps them. I tend to work with people when they are actually trying to make either a career transition or they're going through a career reflection. And so I deal with a lot of not getting the job or whatever reason the one you're currently in is not working out and a lot of fear and angst around that process. And the way I tend to guide people is by being very clear about you have to be willing to get rejected. And there is a process that, that I like to work with people through to, to really say, I'm going to present myself in the world in a way that means not only are the right opportunities going to be attracted to me, but the wrong opportunities are going to be repelled by me. Ooh. And I have to really walk them through that. You, let's be very clear about what that means. <laughs> it's going to mean rejection. It's going to mean a slightly you're an amazing person, so not a tiny pool, but a but a slightly more narrow pool than if you told everybody what they wanted to hear and gave yourself the ability to then say yes or no. The problem is that when we get people offering us things, we sometimes talk ourselves into things that we really shouldn't have taken or directions and paths we really shouldn't be going down in our lives. And so I try to get them clear on putting out in the world what's true. And then letting almost the chips fall where they may. And mm-hmm. it's not that every single person I work with can do this, but I have been pleasantly surprised by how many can when they know what to expect. When people come back and say, wow, yeah, I noticed in the conversation that when I said I was looking for this kind of culture that it wasn't right. And, and I'm glad they told me that it wasn't right because I could have just ended up there. And that process does take some some dealing with fear. It's actually helpful if you're a spiritual person because dealing with fear is a, is a major component of that. And, and in my corporate work, I'm not always dealing with spiritual people, but uh, it, it is a conversation that it makes sense to have. I love that you've brought it back really to core values. If you're, if you're still anchoring your, uh, your consultants, the, the, your clients, the people you're talking to in their core values, nobody's core value is truly, I'll take whatever I can get, right? (laughs) 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 If they're being true to the principles that they have found, that spirituality that that they have found that, that says, this is where I show up best. These are the gifts that I have to give to the world. And this is what I am looking for out of life. None of that is, 
I'll just jump at the first thing and hope it works. Uh, because I'm afraid that something else is out there, right? Is anybody, have you ever talked to anybody whose core value <laughs> includes fear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but people forget that their lives are worth it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes a process. Um, and, and to be honest, if there's anything I hope that someone gets from the book as they move through, it is having the framework and the language to really get that their lives the individual days, the years matter enough to be thoughtful, to deal with fear, to deal with uncertainty so that you can have your best life experience. I like that you called out these small moments and I was listening to a podcast from, and I'm going to plug her again. And I don't mean to, but uh, she's got enough plugs in her life, I'm sure, but why not? But <laughs> Oprah was doing her, her podcast with Eckhart Tolle and he was talking about like, it's, you know, every little small moment kind of, that's what builds into greatness. It's not the great things didn't come out of someone going, I'm going to do something great and I'm going to be greater than everybody else. It's that you're just really focused and present with everything that you're doing every day. But I think to that point, of, you know, whether it's resources that you're tapping into or similar thinking people to have a community around you. You know, I know I grew up in a family and honestly a city that it didn't always come from a place of there's so much opportunity. I came from a small town and a lot of the talk was there's just not a lot out here and there's never going to be. And Mm -hmm. if you try to leave, that's for other people. And so to have that around you, you know, to fight through, that's one thing, but how do you actively go about building a community around you, especially, you know, you can't go around and just be trying to convert your whole family and friends because <laughs> they'll, a lot of times that, that means you're that irritating person who's like, I listen to a podcast and you should do this. Um, so how do you do How do you recommend people do that? Probably the largest thing is n- not beating people over the head with, with who you are and what you're thinking, but, but actually feeling comfortable to put it out there. Oftentimes when I am in an environment where I suspect people may not feel the way I feel, I'm much quieter and I don't want to put myself out. But when I do, I get the people who actually were thinking the way I'm thinking, they reveal themselves. And something very similar happens in life. Uh, Now, to be fair, similar to what we were talking about earlier, there will be people that take a step toward you when you reveal who you are, and there will be people who take a step back. Mm-hmm. And that can be painful. It can be surprising who takes a step back if we want everyone to like us. And, and as much as we all say we're not that person, there is a, a natural instinct inside of people that, that wants to be liked. And when people are distancing themselves, that can be challenging, but the reward of it is that you are able to have a new community form around you. You're able to have people step forward into your life that actually you wouldn't have known you had things in common. You didn't know they thought the way you thought. You didn't know you had similar beliefs, wanted to pursue similar work objectives until you start communicating that. And that can be either in, in what you choose to say in, in meetings at work, what you choose to say in social gatherings or happy hours. It can, to some extent, be your social media post. But there's a variety of ways these days where you can do some form of self-expression that's honest and authentic and, and not necessarily self-promotion that allows people to see you more fully or at least see new dimensions of you and, and attract that community. 
I'd love to kind of drill down on that a little bit more. I I hear what you're saying about showing up as your authentic self, as we've been talking about, is what is going to shine a light for others as to who you truly are and the people that get you are going to step forward towards you. Mm-hmm. When the shoe's on the other foot, when you are working in an environment where you see somebody that is showing up as their authentic self and it is attracting you and letting you know, hey, this is somebody that looks like I want to network with them. I want to support them and see if Mm -hmm. they want to support me. What are some steps that you can take in the workplace to make that happen? So I had this happen just this week. I was in a board meeting um, along with people. I I sit on a charity board and there were people in the room that I have known now for years. Mm -hmm. And um, because the book came out, I had completely different conversations with them over over our lunch break. So so they came up and wanted to share with me, you know, this has been my spiritual path, which obviously we have not had any reason to discuss uh, until now <laughs> or for them to think I'm even interested in because I, I serve as the person who talks about corporate strategy and HR and org design, not spiritual beliefs. And so this created a different conversation and it could have stopped there. But as soon as the meeting was done that evening, I had a mental note of who were the people that I felt like I made a really great connection with, because to some extent, I'm also working through the work of my life as well. So I'm building my community as I go, um, just like everybody else. And I sent emails to say, it was great to see you. And I hope we follow up. And I I travel a lot, so in some cases I'm in their cities. Can we make an appointment? And it's actually staying on that to cultivate those relationships. You have to play an active role, and it can be very hard to to build new relationships, especially because oftentimes we are unwilling to stop maintaining some of the older relationships that are, are dragging on us. So we feel like we don't have time because we're still showing up to that happy hour with the people we actually know we don't connect with in the same way. So we don't have time to go to the new networking event with someone we met last week. And so there is a balance and a prioritizing of by no means shifting all your friends or abandoning all the people you've known um, for years, but but really being thoughtful about, am I cultivating new relationships that reflect who I am in this moment? I think at the core of business, I always say it's a trade. And I think, you know, I never see it as I'm closing the door on this relationship because they're just caustic and dysfunctional and I don't want to deal with them. I just go, the trade has run out. Like the energy exchange that's coming back and forth isn't a healthy, healthy one. And it's never going to be a healthy one for both people. If one person's not getting, you know, getting something healthy out of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I look at it as we're just at a fork in the road and how do I move towards this direction? And maybe their path is going to meet with mine again. So how do I kind of say my temporary goodbyes in, in the kindest of ways and, or also let someone go who's clearly headed in their own direction. And I'm not coming along for the ride you know, that it can always weave back. And then that way you have this room for this community to grow where, to your point, when it's about love, when it's about the best for yourself, as well as others, those decisions get to be, I think, a lot clearer. And honestly, this talk has been amazing. And, uh, you know, I I have five or six things that you've said through all this, that I'm like, oh, I need to take this uh, and and make sure that I'm applying this, uh, especially the sleep part. (laughs) (laughs) That resonated with me too. 
<laughs> going to go back to that one. But um, I, this has just been such an honor. I, I, I love the work that you're doing. And it's I think it's so important. And I think more and more these types of dialogues, it's the last kind of territory of places that it somehow has a taboo-ness to it. But I think it's disappearing fast, especially with someone like you who's got this business experience. You get the tactical. It's not just you want to come in and light some candles and wish everybody well. It's it, it, There's a real practical side to this. And I love that you bring that to it. You know, is there any closing comments you'd like to make as we're, we're wrapping up this this piece? No, I would just like to thank you both. I'll be I'll be sending you both follow up emails to to bring you into my community. This has been wonderful. <laughs> Likewise, fantastic. Because <laughs> we're all showing up authentic right now. Exactly. <laughs> well, this brings us to the end of the show, Courtney. We have been talking about working whole, which I am so excited to dive into, and uh, also about your website. Could you tell us a little bit more about uh, Simply Service? Yes. Uh, so it's simplyservice.org. Um, and there I'm building a community really for people who want to have a spiritually centered, spiritually anchored work life. So on that website, you can certainly learn more about me and my work. But every week, there is a specific post to help you set the intention for your work week. Um, and you can also learn more about working whole on Amazon, as uh, you previously mentioned, <laughs> and anywhere else that uh, online books are sold. Fantastic. Cannot wait to dig into that. We want to hear from you, our listeners. If you have a question uh, about something that Courtney and we have been talking about this uh, this session or uh, an interest in a topic that we want to discuss further on the show, you just want to hear us discuss something that's on your mind, or if you want to tell us what you think of working whole, living whole, the whole thing, uh, <laughs> tweet us <laughs> at lmtpconsulting. You can message us on Instagram, low man on the totem pole, all one word, or email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Courtney. We really appreciate it. This is this has really been an insightful session for myself and, and Katie and I think uh, anybody who's listening. Perfect. Thank you so much. And Heather, I'm going to go get your book as well. So we'll Likewise. train. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Talk to you next Thank time. You. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.